you guys for being here this morning. You guys can have a seat. Probably wondering why I'm up here in the first place. Um, this is supposed to be the end of the habits series. Where we're going to talk about financial habits, and uh, Rob Feldman was going to be speaking this morning. Uh, I am not going to talk about that. I just think, give it to God, don't go in debt. There you go. <laughs> financial habits solved. Um, but uh, Brenda, Brenda Feldman is in the hospital, so he's had a lot on his plate. Um, so I am uh, getting to sneak in here. That's how youth guys get to do that. Something goes wrong, and we just get on the stage with a mic, and they're like, oh, no, he's up there. Uh, <laughs> and we stay. Um, so uh, today, um, I, get to, I get to speak on something kind of near and dear to my heart. Uh, we're going to talk about stuff we're learning in youth group. Um, I figure, uh, why not? Because... They can't take the mic now. Um, if, you, uh, if you have the Tithely app, uh, there are notes for you to follow along. Um, we're going to be talking about Ephesians. I know. It's kind of ironic. Uh, Andy was going to get me a shirt that had the uh, periodic table for iron on here, and I could show up with iron, but it wouldn't get here till tomorrow, and I was sad. Um, so we're, we're talking about Ephesians uh, even though we've been in it for such a long time. Uh, but um, we've just started something in youth group called Dwell Differently. Uh, it's kind of a cool little thing about scripture memory. It's little, um, little temporary tattoos. You put a sticker on, do the, the wet thing, and it washes off in a few days, um, depending on how clean you are. And, uh, and so the first pack that we got is Ephesians 5.8. And we've been going over it with, with our kids at home, and we've been uh, talking with it a little bit about youth group. Um, but we're talking about being intimate with God in the high school. And uh, this is one of the ways that we develop intimacy, is through Scripture and memorizing Scripture. Um, so we've, we've asked the youth group to try to memorize this. There's little parent connect cards. If you didn't get one, um, your kid didn't give it to you. They were supposed to. Uh, but uh, it's Ephesians 5, 8. It says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Wonderful verse. Great to memorize. It talks about change. And the last time I got to speak, uh, right before New Year's, um, that's what I talked about also. I figured we'd keep the ball rolling. This is change part two. Um, real catchy. Uh, <laughs> so um, before, we, uh, before we get into there, I, I want to pray for the Feldman family um, and then just for us to hear uh, the word of God. Dear Lord, thank you for the opportunity to gather today, and I pray that you will help us to uh, listen to your word. Um, I pray for the Feldmans, help them to uh, see healing and, and uh, peace, and I pray you'll just uh, allow us all to be motivated to do more with our lives that you've given us, uh, that you will allow us to be um, light to the world. In your name I pray, amen. All right, turn in your Bibles if you have them. If you don't, pull out your phone, because I know you got that, uh, and, and pull up Ephesians 5, verse 8, um, and, and start reading over that when you're not paying attention to me. Uh, because we're, gonna, we're just going to kind of dig down into that. Um, but before we get there, I wanted to circle back. The last time um, 
I was up here, we talked about having a heavenly mindset. And I wanted to ask you guys how you're doing with that. How is your mindset being renewed and focused on God in the midst of all this trial, in the midst of all this COVID, in the midst of all this junk? How are you doing? Is it something that has impacted you? Is it something you need help with? It's kind of what we're here for. Uh, come talk to somebody. Um, if it's something you're struggling with, uh, we, can, we can give you direction and verses and things like that. But I hope that you have, have kind of caught that heavenly mindset uh, because it generates peace within your life. The gospel change that is associated with, um, with living out your, your salvation is supposed to bring peace and joy. In the midst of all this trial, in the midst of all this change, uh, we have that to cling on to. Um, I also wanted to ask, how are you doing with uh, keeping your promises? We promised to pray for those who have signed up and boldly stood up and said, we are going into full-time ministry. How are you doing? How are you doing with that? Have you kept your word? Have you jot them a little note of encouragement? Take them out to dinner. They would love that. Yeah. That would be great. Yes, yes. Uh, they would love that. Take them out to dinner. Um, send them a card. Send them a letter. Um, but desperately pray for these folks who are going in on the front lines and wanting to give their life for full-time ministry. Um, that's what we're here for, is to support them and to support the ministry that God has for us all. Okay, you got your Bibles ready? Ready to dig in? Um, we've, uh, like I said, we've been doing this, and, and my daughter, this is my, this is my uh, Valentine's card, I guess. Um, it's the first letter of each word of this verse. Uh, we've been able to talk with them about it. Uh, we've had conversations with, with people, um, just random strangers, and, you know, what's that weird thing on your arm? Um, it's a good memory tool. Uh, so by the end of this message, you all need to have this memorized, um, word for word. Uh, that's, that's the goal, okay? That's the goal. Uh, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Uh, the first phrase, for you were once darkness, it really resonates with me um, because it does not say you were once in darkness. That would be totally, totally different. It says, you were the darkness. Um, you were uh, part of the problem, if not the problem. Uh, and that is weighty. That is, that is heavy words to, to have applied to someone. You were the darkness. You were the darkness. Um, it it suggests oppressiveness. You ever been in the caverns, forbidden caverns or something, you go down deep and they turn the lights off and it's like pitch black, you can't see your hand in front of your face um, and somebody always ruins it because they pull out their cell phone and they're like, ha ah. um, The darkness is heavy, right? If you feel like you're suffocating almost, it's, it's hard, it's, it's, it's a little scary. Darkness is oppressive and you were the darkness. Not that you were in the darkness, you were the darkness. Uh, scripture calls us the enemies of God. The enemies of God. Uh, 
I don't, I don't want to make enemies with somebody stronger than me or better armed than me or that has more buddies than me. I don't, I don't want that as my enemy. And yet, we picked the author of creation, the sustainer of existence, to say, I'm going to fight him. It's pretty dumb, right? It's pretty dumb. Uh, scripture says, uh, Romans 5, verse 10, For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. What a wonderful verse. And we focus on that reconciliation and that gift that God has given us that is, has allowed us to be, be with him. And, and you know, Jesus has, has reconciled us. Don't miss the first part. What has he reconciled us from? Enemies. We were enemies of God. We picked him to go up against. Of all the people that we could have fought, we chose the person whose, whose very breath holds our, our, our entire existence together. That's who we're fighting, the enemies of God. James 4.4 4 says, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You were the darkness. You're not in darkness. You were the darkness. That is heavy, guys. To, to, to accept that reality and to understand that, that a lot of the problems come from us, that's hard. That's hard to swallow. That's hard to swallow. That, that's, a, that's a big, uh, like we don't like to view ourselves like that, right? We, we, we're nice people. We do nice things. Um, scripture says we're children of Satan. First uh, John 3.10 says, uh, in this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Children of Satan, that's, that's not a term that I want to put on my hello, my name is child of Satan. Not, not the, uh, the label that I want for myself, but scripture's pretty clear. Um, that's who our father is. That's who we once had as our general and chief. We were the darkness. John 8 talks about uh, the Pharisees. Um, this isn't necessarily speaking to us directly, um, but I'm pretty sure that at some point we have been pharisaical. John 8 says, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you're not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. He doesn't stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks it from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you don't believe in me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe in me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear 
because you're not of God. Heavy. Scathing. Can you imagine telling the religious elite to their faces that their father is the devil? They were good people. They didn't do anything wrong. Oh, wait, that's how I described us. Sorry. Um, It's hard to accept that of ourselves, that we were the darkness. Uh, But it's, it's... it's neat. We'll get there. We'll get there. The change is coming. Um, but I want to ask you a question. Uh, what darkness lives in you? Something probably popped into your head, right? You've got darkness in you. Mine's anger. Woo, don't cut me off in traffic. <laughs> Not a good idea. Um, you've got darkness in you, right, still? Uh, what, I want to, what I want to point out is the darkness is, that is there, the things that you keep in shadow, you keep because you've chosen to, because you were the darkness, and you've chosen to retain some of those things because light chases away the darkness, right? Every time you turn on a light, the darkness goes away. It's not like you turn on the light and the darkness kind of like creeps back in. The dark comes back because you turn the lights out. You've made a choice to live in that darkness, to live in that shadow. Paul said the same thing, though. We're in good company. Romans 7 says... For what I am doing, I don't understand. This gets a little wordy, so hang with me. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that's what I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, Nothing good dwells. For to will is present in me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do it. But the evil I will not to do, that's what I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me the shadows of our life, the things that we refuse to put light towards, it comes from inside us, and it's a choice we make to hide in the darkness. We're supposed to seek the kingdom of God, right? Seek the kingdom of God. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, he's talking about, you know, don't worry about you know, your life and what you eat, what you drink, what you clothes. You know, God feeds the birds, and he clothes the fields and flowers. Don't worry about that stuff. I've got it. Father knows you need all these things. Verse 33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that you worry about will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about his own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. How many of you have anxiety? A little nervousness? You worried about the culture? Worried about COVID? Worried about your job? Worried about your kids? It's a shadow. It's a shadow that's inside us because we don't seek the things of God. It's a shadow that's inside us because we've chosen to allow it to take root in our heart. We're supposed to seek the things of God, and we don't sometimes. And here's the cool part. But now. For you were once darkness, Ephesians 5.8. For you were once darkness, But now, woo, I get excited about that. Uh, 
the, the, the word but, it's a transitional statement. It requires movement. It requires change. And I know this because I just taught it to a bunch of five-year-olds in kindergarten when we did the sight word but. <laughs> yep, you did the same thing. Did the same. You, you, no, nobody ever grows up. Nobody ever grows up. So I'm teaching them, but you have to change. I was going to go to the store, but it was closed. I was going to eat the donut, but somebody took it from me. I was going to do this thing, but change different now I'm doing something else. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. That is exciting. That's a change. That's a transition from where you were once headed to spread filth and darkness everywhere because you were the darkness. But now you are light, spreading light everywhere because of what God has done for you. That's exciting. That's different. That's the kind of change we should, we should grapple a hold of and not let go. That's the kind of change that we should encourage in others. When? But now, not tomorrow, not down the road, you're supposed to embrace this light, light change right now. Proverbs chapter six says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Ouch, sluggard. That's one we don't use anymore. I like that word. Consider the ant's ways. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer, gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler, and your need like an armed man. When do we prepare? Do we prepare when the thing happens? Think of a storm. When do you prepare? When do you, when do you get the food, get the supplies? You're gonna be you know, hit with a storm. Do you prepare as the storm happens or do you prepare beforehand? It's pretty obvious. When do you prepare for war? These generals that are preparing for war, somebody declares war and they're like, oh, I guess we should probably build some tanks. No, you prepare now for what's coming. You prepare now for what might happen. You prepare now for the opportunities that God has laid before you because if you come up to them and you're not prepared, you have no time. You have no tools. You have no weapons to fight the good fight. So you enter into battle unprepared. When are you supposed to be light? Right now. That light comes right now. James, or Ephesians 5 says, uh, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. How are you going to understand what the will of the Lord is and the light that he has put inside you if you're not preparing, if you're not studying, if you're not in prayer, if you're not seeking the Lord, if you're not seeking counsel and accountability, you can't prepare on an island. You need other people. You need desperately the Lord. James 4, 17 says, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. You know to prepare, do you not? 
You've been told in your past, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Little kid song. You've heard it in your youth, right? Do you? Do you prepare? Do you read your Bible every day? Because if you're not, James says it's sin. It's not just oops. It's not just, "Ah, I'll get to it later. It's sin. You know this. At least you do now. So you ain't got no no choice. Tomorrow, read your Bible. Pray every day. Um, the, the, The but now statement. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Now, right now. It comes with a cool phrase at the end. Where does the light come from? It comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from us. It doesn't come from our own talents and gifts. It comes from the Lord. That's why you need to be intimate with him. That's what we're studying in youth group on Wednesday nights right now in, in uh, high school. We're studying the intimacy of God, prayer, reading, meditation, acts of faith. Uh, and then it culminates with how we get along with other people. Intimacy is so important because otherwise your light is gonna be dim. Your light is not gonna be bright enough to affect change in others. Remember, light goes out and it, it does things. It makes things bright. It, it casts shadows. It, it does things. So if you are not intimate with God, it's like the batteries of your flashlight are dying You've got to be intimate. You've got to have that connection with God. You've got to have that intimacy so that you can in turn be a light because the light doesn't come from you. You can't just pull yourself up by the bootstraps and shine bright. You can for a while. You screw on the mask and you wear the mask, but the mask eventually gets worn. You can't keep it up forever. Happiness is circumstantial. Joy comes from the Lord. You can't do it on your own. The light comes from God. Tap into that light. What does light do to the darkness? You guys said some of you have been to the caverns. Um, When when you go down, they turn the lights off, and you can't see your hand in front of your face, and somebody turns on a light. We got fussed at because our kids, we gave them all uh, glow sticks. Totally ruined that whole like moment where they're like, we're turning the lights out. Click. And everybody's glowing. (laughs) But when you're in pitch blackness, and you turn on a tiny light, what does it do? All of that light fills the room. Maybe it might be dim, but it's enough. You can see light chases the darkness away. It forces it back. Never has a shadow overtaken a flame. Not once. It is amazing what light does to a room. You're in that cavern and they turn the lights out and it feels like you're suffocating. It feels like like you can't breathe. And somebody turns on a light and you're no longer scared. Especially when you're a little kid. We have have, uh, lights all over my daughter's room because she wants it bright as daytime almost. Because there's a fear of the dark. It's not necessarily you're scared of what you can see. You're scared of what you can't see. That is the purpose of light, is to allow you to see it. It chases away that fear. Um, Here's the question I have for you, though, as you guys are all being lights into the world. 
Light casts a shadow, right? Or light causes a shadow. You turn a bright light on and you see something really well and then behind it, it casts a shadow. And the brighter the light, the darker the shadow, right? That's physics. So here's my question. If you are being light, there should be shadows around you. The resistance of that light. If you're not seeing someone frustrated at the gospel, it's probably because you're not sharing the gospel because Jesus was the light of the world and they killed him for it. If nobody's upset around you, your light isn't casting a shadow because light produces a shadow and your life is supposed to be a light. So in turn, there should be resistance to the gospel because nobody likes being told that they're wrong. Nobody enjoys being called a sinner or a sluggard or any of the other things that Jesus called the Pharisees. Nobody enjoys that. So if you are, if you are living this blissful life of everybody getting along with you, you might need to check how much you're evangelizing, how important your light is to shine to everyone else around you because it's gonna cause friction. There's gonna be pushback from that. On some level, somebody's gonna get mad at you, especially right now. So evidence of light is a shadow. I hope that you're not scared of that shadow. Because once again, light chases all of those shadows away eventually. They either run away from you or they step into the light. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. That's the command. That's the, that's the thing we're supposed to do with all of this information. Live as children of light. I find it... Uh, a blessing to be part of youth group. Probably every time I, I ever talk to you guys, I'm gonna plug them on some level. Uh, it's cool. It's cool because they're gonna go to places I can't. I'm gonna get old and die and they're gonna take up the cross and keep running. And that goes for all of us. If you're not investing in children, the next generation is lost. They will stand in our stead. They will fill our footsteps and, and take it further. So youth is important. It's important to not me. It's important to all of us. But I get to hang out with these guys, and it's super cool. Uh, I asked them on Wednesday night uh, what they thought um, you guys needed to hear as adults, partly because I had no idea what I was going to talk about today. Um, <laughs> it's good to get feedback. Uh, and, and so I wanted to bring that to you guys to, to have some challenges because what they said I thought was very, very, uh, very, very good um, as how to live as children of light. That's the command. Live as children of light. Here's their suggestion. Number one, be patient. Ouch. That's dumb. It's hard to be patient. There's COVID. There's, you know, stinking masks. None of y'all, well, some of you guys can fuss about it. I've got a beard. If you ain't got a beard, you can't fuss. <laughs> Wear a mask with a beard. It's awful. <laughs> but it's hard to be patient, right? Patience is, is like asking for pain. Dear Lord, give me patience. You're just asking for something wrong. 
because you can't develop patience at the beach. Oh, man, what, that would be great. Dear Lord, give me patience. And now you have a perfect existence that nothing ever goes wrong. Thank you, Lord, for patience. That's not how it works. We develop patience through trial. We develop patience through struggle. Patience comes from, from persevering. Uh, Romans 12, 2 says, rejoicing, rejoicing in hope. This is what we're supposed to be doing. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. We've got tribulation in spades right now. Man, we should be so patient. <laughs> but that's not what our kids are saying we need to work on. They're saying that we're losing our patience. And I can attest to that. I come home, I'm dealing with five-year-olds all day, and I need a break. <laughs> and my kids are like, daddy, 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 daddy. And I love it, mostly. Patience is hard. My dog wets on the floor and I'm like, I'm going to murder him. Patience. Ah, I should be patient, right? I've had to endure all this junk for the past year. I should have patience and I don't. And they're telling me that's what I need to work on. That's, that's big. First thing, what do you think the adults need to hear? Patience. Oof. Oof. Uh, Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as the elect of God, that's you guys, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering, patience. That's what we're supposed to clothe ourselves with. We're supposed to, that's the first thing you see. You walk up to somebody and you can tell if they're clothed or not. It's the first thing you notice. That's what, I, <laughs> I got tickled, sorry. <laughs> That's what our clothing is supposed to be. The first thing people are supposed to notice is how tender and patient we are as people of God, as children of light. And that's the first thing we need to work on from people who see us at our most private moments. You ever had a kid ask to help do a chore? I can go sweep the garage. I can get it done in about five minutes and then put the broom away because you got to put the broom away. That's part of the chore. Daddy, 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 can I help? Yep. My five-minute task just turned into a half an hour. It's frustrating, right? But yet we go through that because how are they going to learn to sweep if we don't teach them to sweep. But yet teaching them to sweep takes not five minutes that I can do it in. I can do it in five minutes. If I just gave them five minutes, would they learn to sweep? Patience takes longer. You've got to give them extra. As our kids are going through craziness, you've got to give them extra. How are they going to learn to deal with all of this if we don't learn to be patient with them now. We give patience to ourselves. Sorry, I flew off the handle. Oops. But when they fly off the handle, oh, it's a big deal. Don't you backtalk me. Whew. We don't give them patience. We give ourselves patience. We want to pass. 
We don't give them a pass. If they're going to learn anything, how to do their laundry, how to drive a car, how to, yeah, how to do anything in life, they need patience. And we have to give it to them. First thing they ask for, patience. Um, do not provoke your children to wrath. Ephesians 6, 4 says, uh, you fathers, so I don't think the mothers get a pass, but it's specifically to fathers. You fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. I don't think this is just talking about anger because scripture also says, be angry and sin not. I think this wrath is talking about the condemnation, the damnation of God. The, the wrath of God poured out on a person. So it's saying, don't push your kids towards hell, but bring them to God. That takes patience. That takes time. It takes effort. Not just effort, it takes extra effort. Whatever effort you're given, they need extra. And that's what we need to do as adults. Second thing they said is listen. This one stings me. I'm a fix it guy. Tell me your problem, I'll tell you how to fix it. <laughs> it's a song. Uh, there is a lot to be said for listening. We're supposed to find God by listening, right? Not to the hurricane, not to the fire and the earthquake, and the still small voice. We're supposed to listen. But when my kid says, Daddy, 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 I've got a problem, I don't listen. I tell them how to fix it because I've been there. We've done that. Let me just tell you how to fix this and we can move on. Or maybe we, we just, we're trying to fix it to, to help them because we see pain, we see suffering and we're going, ooh, I don't want that to happen. Let me fix this. Maybe we jump to let me fix it for you that's a whole different topic. But they've asked us to listen. To listen and keep our mouth shut. To be quiet and hear them out. Sometimes solving the problem takes them talking it through. It takes people talking it through, hearing their own mistakes and going, you know what? I recognize this. If we don't give them that opportunity, if we jump straight into fix-it mode, how are they going to learn? It takes patience. And it takes genuine listening. Maybe they just need to vent. Sometimes they just had a rough day and they just need to be like, it's hard. I want to quit. And we instantly, no, you can't quit. They didn't say they're going to quit. They said they want to quit. Listen. Hear out what they have to say and pause before responding. Maybe don't respond at all. Maybe just let them talk and then let them figure it out. And they might figure out a wonderful way to fix it. And they might come up with a really dumb way to fix it. And you can then say, hey, let me, let me show you what I did. But we need to listen. We need to have an ear open all the time. So those are the two big things. That's... that's a word from youth. That's not from me. That's from them. We need to be patient and we need to listen as a culture, as a church, as a parent. Here's the ones that I thought about. 
generally speaking, living as a light, living out this idea of change from going from darkness, now I'm a child of light, live as children of light. That's, that's going to take some effort. We've already talked, it's going to take some planning, some thought, thought through this, but it's going to take some effort out. I think the biggest effort out right now, not just for the church globally, but for True Life Church, I think that outreach is our next big thing. We've got people that are stuck in homes. We've got people who are, who are lonely and desperate. We have to reach them. This whole area is desperate for something. Show them the light. Romans 10, 14 says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? You're the preacher. You've got people all around you that need to hear that light. I'm not the preacher. I don't go to your work. You're the preacher. Jimmy's not the preacher. He doesn't go to your grocery store with you. You're the preacher. You're the preacher. You've got people in social circles all around you, desperate for light. That's how you live. Live as light. Outreach is a big deal. 2 Timothy chapter 4 says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. There's that patience thing again. And teaching. Be ready in season and out. Guys, we have such a ripe field for harvest. Go harvest. Be the preacher. Do what God has called us to do. But beyond that, I, I feel like we, living as light, living as children of light, need to, need to plug into service. We've got a lot of opportunities here at True Life Church to serve. We've got a lot of holes that stay empty at True Life Church. Serve. If you're not serving, live as a child of light. That is your calling. Find an area to minister. Find what you're good at. Find what, what spiritual gifting. We have spiritual gifting classes that you can take online. We've got gifts or gift tests in the office. Take one. It's super cool to figure out, hey, I'm really good at this. I didn't even know that. I'm really bad at this one. I probably don't need to serve in this area. Mercy, zero. <clears throat> not good at it. I'm, I'm not going to go be on the hospitality team. <clears throat> That's why I married my wife. She's good at those things. It is so cool to watch somebody just show up and be like, hey, use me, whatever you need. And they plug into a ministry and they go, this isn't for me. But I figured out what is. It's that over there. And they walk in and it's just like they were born for it. Figure out where you can serve. We've got, we've got service opportunities all over this church, whether it's on Sunday morning or whether it's through the week or pouring out into people's lives. You are called to serve. If you're not, live as children of light. It's not a question. It's a command. Personal growth. <clears throat> Plug in youth group again. 
talking about intimacy. And we, we've gone through prayer and meditation and reading and acts of service, um, acts of faith, acting, stepping out. Uh, it's going to end with talking about other people. Because out of your growth is service. That overflow affects others. So if you're not in your word, if you're not in the word, if you're not in uh, fellowship with God, if you're not doing what you're supposed to do to, to grow intimacy, you're not going to have an overflow. You're going to be dried up. So soak in the word of God. Spend time in prayer. Spend time learning and growing so that you can affect other people. Your personal growth leads to other-mindedness because that's what we're called to do. So I try every time I speak to have like practical application. Here's some. Uh, first, if you're taking notes, good. Write some stuff down for me. If you're not, get out your phone, start a list. One of those uh, little quick notes or whatever. Um, things you need to change. And I, I say actually write them down. Actually write these things down. Because when I say, what do you need to change? Something popped into your head. Something is there. It may be something actually like sinful. Okay, I'm, I'm stuck in this sinful habit. I need to change this. Maybe it's just uh, your, your, your schedule is super busy. Um, that, was, that was our family. We were so busy, we had to cut out some stuff. And they were all good stuff. We had to cut them out because it wasn't helping us. Maybe you're just lazy. You know what you're called to do and you just don't do it. Write it down. Make a list that says, these are things I need to change. When you write it down, it helps you make a plan. You don't go into battle without a plan. You don't go to work without an idea of what you're gonna do. You have a plan. This is the beginning of it. Write it down. Have a plan to fix and change whatever habit it is that you, you have. Maybe it's just you're not thinking about others. Maybe you're so wrapped up in yourself that because you've got things big, little, blown up, small, whatever they are, you're having a hard time thinking about others. That's our calling, to make disciples, to reach out and affect change in someone's life by the light of the Lord shining through us and illuminating their life. Second thing, are you dwelling on the but now statement? The change of direction? Is that what's in your mind all the time? Are you constantly being reminding uh, are you constantly being reminded of the things that God has done for you? There's a really cool website um, called openbible.info. I use it a lot for uh, preparing because you can type in, you know, what does the Bible say about, fill it in. They've probably got a list of things. You know, depression, whew, bunch of verses. What does the Bible say about, uh, you know, alcohol, bunch of verses. What does the Bible say about blessings? Dwell on this. There's two pages, and, and this was just, like a third of what's actually there, of blessings. Philippians says he's going to supply our needs. James says every good and perfect gift comes from him. Numbers says he's going to bless us and keep us, make his face to shine upon us. Luke says, uh, you know, give and it'll be given to you. Um, Isaiah says, uh, fear not. He's going to take away our fear. 
the blessings of God. He's going to strengthen us. He's going to help us. He's going to uphold us. Second Corinthians says that God is able to make all grace abound to us. Third John says, beloved, I pray that it may go well with you and good health. So many verses about blessings. Are you dwelling in that change that God has taken you from darkness and put you in light? That you are now light? Are you dwelling in that? Or is it something you don't think about often? Because guys, our identity is what we think about. And most of the time, our identity gets wrapped up in what things we do. And oftentimes that's not what we want. You know, I did this bad thing. That's who I am now. That's not what God says. First Peter 2.9 says, you're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Here's the cool thing about that verse. It tells you who you are in Christ. Awesome, a priesthood. Did you know you're a priest? Did you know you're, you're a special person called out by God, a chosen generation for the proclamation of praise? It's for a purpose. You have a purpose. Your identity is in Christ for a reason. And that reason is to shout the name of God to everybody in this county. That's amazing. Ephesians 2.10 says, we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Again, what we are what we're supposed to do. We are awesome, created by God to do awesome things for God. There's a purpose in our existence. That should be encouraging. He prepared these beforehand that we should walk in them. First John 3 says, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God. You're not your sin. You're not your sin that's not your identity. You're a child of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it didn't know him. Beloved, now we are children of God. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. We have a hope a future hope of glory. So you can live as a child of light knowing that you have a future that's secure. There's no fear in that. The boldness that that should motivate you towards is huge. Don't sit. <clears throat> Hebrews 3.11 uh, says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. We have a hope, but it's not just a wish, it's an evidence. That is how you live as a child of light, knowing that your hope is in the Lord and boldly going out and doing whatever God has called you to do. 1 Peter 1.4 says, we've been given an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you. The light of the Lord lives inside you. You are to be light. 
knowing that no matter what happens, whatever trial or tribulation you have, whatever existence you find yourself in, you have a hope in the Lord, an inheritance that cannot be corrupted by sin or, or politics or COVID or any of this junk that we're having to muddle through in this life, that you have an incorruptible inheritance. And that gives you the courage to live as a child of light. I'm so glad I got to experience this today because it has reinforced the idea of memorizing scripture and having it written not on your arm on a silly tattoo, but in your heart and your mind so that when trials happen, you are prepared beforehand how to meet them and defeat them and shine light in the dark areas of this county, of this area, of your soul, whatever it may be. Because my prayer is not just to change and look good or to change and have fancy stuff or to change and, and you know, avoid pain. My, my goal and my prayer is for change in each one of our lives that glorifies God. That is the change that I'm seeking. It's, it's supposed to be a constant reflection of God. We're not there yet. But by his grace, we can seek that. That is my prayer for you guys. It is, it is good to be in the light of the Lord. Remember that God's change is always for his glory and for your benefit. We get the opportunity to see a video about change and the change of, of God working in a man's heart and being able to shine light into some dark areas. We're gonna watch a video after that.